The Book Guys Show is brought to you by hollowbooks.com, where they create custom-made hollow books so you can hide just about anything. Choose a book, they do the rest. Oh, yeah. You choose the book, and Sir Jimmy does the rest. My name is Paul Alvey, sometimes known as... Paul the Book Guy. And I have the worst jingle of everyone uh, joining us. The guy with the best jingle... Of all of us is the one and only Sir Jimmy. How you doing, Jimmy? Oh, he's step stepping on my jingle. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's what she said. That's yeah, hey now. How's it going, man? This is like two two shows in a week. This is a quite a difference from you know the last couple of weeks. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Last well, last couple <laughs> of weeks we got busy, but you know that's neither here nor there. We are here to talk about some books and podcasts and stuff. We got a. A terrific guest from outer space, man. Do, Ziggy Stardust reincarnated. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, um, you know what? I always felt bad for Craig because he didn't have his own jingle, so I made one. And I'm really sorry, Craig. It's the best I could do on short notice. Craig Dambo. <laughs> it's almost like you got to take your clothes off afterwards. I, you know what? I hear that. I hear just like the white windows. <laughs> hey, it works Craig for me. Dambo. Hopefully, it's working for all the ladies out there. Too. I, I, I swear, Craig. <laughs> as soon as there are some funds in the show, funds, I'm gonna get uh, Sir, uh, you know, Jeff Smith to make one for you. <laughs> Sorry, sneezing. Uh, how you doing, Craig? Are you in Seattle right now, or are you uh, out and about? No, no, I'm back in Seattle, and uh, last week I was in Germany, so it's, uh, I was actually at the uh, European Space Agency's Astronaut Training Center for a tour, so it's perfect that our guest today is a former NASA scientist That's or right. engineer. And uh, speaking of former NASA science, you know, engineers, we do have uh, Darren D. Beyer, the author of Casimir Bridge and Gazi Series Book One, and please, Darren... Don't spoil the last quarter of the book because I'm three quarters of the way through. How you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing real well. I just kind of feel left out because I didn't get a jingle. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I, I can I can try to sort of uh, yeah. Darren D. Buyer. I'm sorry. Hey, okay. <laughs> am I am I mistaken, or is the only guest that ever got their own jingles? That's right. That, that, that's that, a first. That's Darren D. Buyer. Tom. Tom Merritt and Veronica Belmont. You're right. And Darren. <laughs> there you go. I'll take uh, it. Auspicious club. <laughs> now, now, Darren, before we start talking about Casimir Bridge, uh, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, I did say last episode uh, that it, it does. it's a book that makes me think that, well, the author obviously knows what they're talking about. And then not to compare you... Uh, you know, in a derogatory or even in a in a nice way to Tom Clancy. I think I did use the word Tom Clancy. I said, uh, you know, it's like re reading a Tom Clancy book where you know that he's actually stood on an aircraft carrier when he's talking about aircraft carriers in his book. So uh, no comparison, anyways, from the, from the books. But just saying that when I'm I'm you know reading about space in your book, I know this guy knows what he's talking about. Just saying. 
Well, I appreciate it. I mean, it, and, and, and it's sort of what I'm going for, and I appreciate the reference. Um, yeah, you know, there's. we were talking a little bit before the show about the movie Gravity, uh, and, you know, visually it was great. I think the acting was pretty good. It won Academy Awards. It was a movie I almost walked out of uh, because <laughs> if, I, if my wife hadn't been with me, I literally would have gotten up out of the theater and walked out because it was so technically incorrect. And the problem is in a today, you know, in the day, you know, where people are getting all their news off the internet and, and half of it's wrong. Uh, I, I feel that you know people who write, whether it's uh, screenplays or it's novels or what have you, I think they have a duty to try and get it right so that at least somebody maybe they learn something when they read the book. Well, it, it was certainly no The Martian, that's for sure. And The Martian was a lot closer to science than Gravity was, right? Oh yeah, The Martian. Uh, I read the book first. I looked into it. I mean, it literally was one of these things where I'm just going through, you know, people who bought this also bought on Amazon and, and stumbled onto the book when it was fairly early on and, and just loved it. I mean, I couldn't put it down. It was one of those that kept me up until 2 or 3 a.m. every night. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it was, um, there was, in the book, there was only one technical fly found. Uh, the movie, they had a couple because I think they had to make it movie-ish. But don't, the book, don't, there was don't, literally don't tell only us, one, don't, but the vast majority of it was just great. Don't tell us what the one technical flaw you found was. We'll talk about it later. And, but we might get you to, to, to actually talk about it in, in like the comic book guy voice. Like, worst <laughs> movie ever. <laughs> but, Darren, before we talk about Casimir Bridge, uh, we like to start the show off with this. And, Jimmy, this time I'm going to remember to fill it in. What's on your... What's on your Kindle? What's on your nightstand? What's on your... What's on your Amazon-enabled fridge? What are you reading? What are you reading? We'll go Jimmy. Jimmy, what are you reading? What's, you know what's what on I'm the horizon? Reading? Absolutely nothing. Uh, I, right now it's, it's high times. The business that I am in part time is swimming pools and it is high time Memorial day this week. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Is this a place to speak about podcasts? We might, we might leave it for a podcast section then. Yeah, because I've got one that relates to our guest and one that doesn't. Well, so. since our guest is staying for the whole show, he's been nice enough. Uh, Darren has been nice enough to say he'll stay for the whole show. We'll we'll save it for the podcast section then, for sure. All right, I shall defer. I do have I have a lot of books here. Uh, that and I'm, just by that default, I'm I'm I'm, I'm reading uh, Casimir Bridge, and I am really enjoying it. Uh, I didn't have much time to dedicate to uh, reading physical books this week. I'm I'm uh, Darren. I'm more of an audiobook guy. So, um, yeah, I went, th- I blew through three quarters of your book in like a day and a half. So in like large sessions, this was great. Uh, I, 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 please don't spoil the ending. Uh, Craig, well, what are you uh, working on? So, yeah, I actually did just started. I got, a, uh, the Casimir bridge, uh, yesterday. So I just, just started reading that. But other than that, uh, flying back and forth between Germany, I was actually reading the fourth book uh, in the Rama series, Rama Revealed, nice. the fourth and lost. At fourth oh, yeah. And last. Why is that not which, a movie? You know, well, uh, right, and, and why do actually, we have two I, swamp I question I wanted I know to ask Rama our, our guest, Darren, movies. about the fact that if there's a tie between Rama and his book, or at least, you know, an homage, that both of the series, at least at this point, have a uh, a black woman as their lead uh, yes. in both series. I was glad to see that. Mandy and Kozi, of course. Uh, Zulu Nation, my friend. I have a friend who's from Kenya, and he's Zulu Nation. He's got a t-shirt that says Zulu Nation, and that's why I, I remember that when I heard Mandy and Kozi. Just saying. 
So yeah, it was, um, it was, uh, you know, I kind of stumbled into the, the character and, um, you know, I, I didn't really set out to say, I'm going to write about a character who comes from South Africa. Uh, I just was trying to make a, you know, a character that had a real, uh, feeling to it and, and more than just, you know, uh, we've got a person who's out in space and let's give, you know, what, what drives her and what her ambitions. And, you know, so I wanted to make it a little bit deeper than that. And I was in Africa when I was a little kid and, uh, you know, just oh, had a lot it. of really fond memories. It. And so I wanted to bring that in. I knew it, Darren. You know what? Just like I knew that you were involved in, in you know, space exploration somehow, I knew you had visited these places. Just had a feeling. Let's just dive right in. Science fiction. Let me spell it out for you, folks. Casimir uh, Bridge, C-A-S-I-M-I-R, Bridge. Angazi series book, one by Darren D. Beyer. And let's just start off by asking Darren to uh, give us a quick non-spoilerish synopsis of the uh, the title of the book yeah yeah you know it's a uh i really kind of look at it as a story that's being told that that happens to be in a science fiction setting you know science fiction many times gets uh you know ends up being a crutch for a writer uh they'll, they'll end up putting a story out there that's okay but they rely on the on the genre as a crutch and i tried not to do that because those kind of books usually turn me off and you know books like the martian i don't know if you've read the uh, Atlantis, uh, Gene, and and the and the in that series uh, from A. G. Riddle. That's another one where uh, you know they they really put the story first, and I tried to make that happen. And essentially, the the story follows Mandy Mandisa, um, and she's a reporter who uh, gets turned on to uh, by a whistleblower to something that turns out to be a big corporate and government conspiracy uh, to take. Uh, from what is uh, sort of a protagonist company, if you can call it that, in, in the book, um, who has some you know good technology and some things they've learned, and there's something behind it, and nobody really knows how they got what they got so quickly, right. but the bad guys want to get it, uh, and and start they start framing that company to sort of set it up uh, in the in the public's eye, so they can go in and take it over. No, no, Darren, I, I gotta say there, there's a, a sort of underlying theme throughout your book, and I don't know if it was intentional or if it just happened. Uh, naturally for you as a writer but i i get three quarters in i i get from it that there's this underlying theme of we should be out in space because you know what we're gonna find something on this moon that helps us you know become interstellar travelers it's like uh you're talking about the mining of this mineral that allows us to uh, you know reach the stars and and i keep thinking wow he kind of threw that in but was that intentional? That is that your background message? Is let's get back into space because we're going to find stuff that really is going to benefit humanity. Well, you know, I don't think it was necessarily an intentional message. I think almost all science fiction carries that message, right? right. Um, except for the ones that you go out there and you find the bad aliens that come back, and then because you found them, they take over Earth. Okay, so right. put that yeah. message aside. You shouldn't have left. Uh, right? You shouldn't have left Earth, right? Some of those uh, right. sci-fi's yeah. exactly. But, you know, it, I mean, it's interesting. So I, I just wrote a, uh, and I write these you know, quite often. I've got a, a, a technology blog, a space and technology blog. And I just wrote one on the uh, Mars Space oh, Station. What's, what's the link? Please, this, we're all about self-promotion. Please, what's the, what's the yeah, link to your blog? Uh, it's tech22, T-E-K-2-2.com. Um, oh. And whenever I put out something, you know, about this, it's always like, well, why are we spending so much money going and doing that when we could solve all these problems on Earth? And my response is, you know, I'm sure somebody said the same thing to Christopher Columbus before he left for the New World, right? So right. Um, you don't know what's out there unless you go out and try and find it. Uh, and I think the people who don't think that there's value out there are being very short-sighted. 
uh, because we know the science that we know on Earth, but we only know a teeny little bit of it. I mean, we haven't explored the vast majority of the uh, of the ocean's uh, bottom, right? Right. We haven't. Uh, we we don't know hardly anything that's on the moon, and it's our next. Yeah. Door never, never mind the solar system. We don't know what's at the bottom of the ocean floor. That that's right. And and every time you know we go down and and you do something new and different, you you find these things. You make discoveries that then change how we can uh, live our lives. And 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 the space program all along has done that. Much of uh, you know, what we have today that's of a technological nature came from uh, the space program. So I think it's very short-sighted to think that we can't go out into space and learn things that are out there. And by the way, I, you know, I, you talk about, you know, finding life or what have you. Um, you know, there is a, um, I, I can guarantee you 100%, I would put my entire life savings on a bet uh, that we will find life in our solar system. Uh, wow. because there's just too many opportunities for it to, to exist. And so, you know, as soon as we make that discovery, it's going to completely change how we look at um, space exploration. Well, which, now, which, which will, will we moon? see this discovery in our lifetimes? You yeah, I? I believe, yeah, I believe we will. Uh, you know, there's, there's uh, missions that are going to uh, Europa. Uh, yeah. There will be missions to the other places where we're going to be finding, um, you know, where, where there's water today. Uh, Enceladus is a great example. That's a, one of the moons of Saturn. And by the way, anybody who wants to see some just awesome pictures, look up uh, Cassini and Enceladus and, and just to hit, hit the images yeah. uh, link on Google. And you'll see some just really cool pictures of these. It, it's it's, it's anyway. mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. The images it, were it is. Yeah, I mean, it is. And then, and then you, you've got Mars, right? Uh, yeah. So, you, you know, we're talking to Martian. And you know, on Mars, they've, they've found that there, there is flowing, you know, salt water on the surface of Mars today. Uh, so, you know, anywhere there's water and energy and the right chemicals, uh, you're going to get life. And so I, I think we're, you know, we're going to see it uh, in our lifetime. I'm pretty sure we are. As they said in The Martian, we're going to science the shit out of this. Right. Oh, worst line of the movie. And they thought it was going to be the new I'll be Bach. <laughs> now, now, Darren, uh, Mandy and Cozy, uh, one of the things that we, we've talked about before in uh, perhaps other podcasts or Jimmy, uh, you kind of slipped in there. Uh, I love how you, um, I don't know if it was you or your editor, but uh, right, you, you kind of time shifted and uh, Mandy uh, has her self-driving car it was hacked. We're not spoiling too much, but I will still give a spoiler alert. Relevant. Spoiler alert. But she does have her self-driving car is hacked from afar and gets into kind of a crash in the first couple pages in your novel. Uh, I love how you're so far ahead thinking about that. I'm not saying that's happened before, Michael Hastings. I'm not saying it's happened before, <laughs> but <laughs> I love how you added that. Why did you add that to the book where the, the self-driving car was hacked? You know, well, there was, you know, it, it, it kind of came natural. I mean, I needed a way for her to, uh, you know, have her life in danger, right, to get yeah. attacked. And I, I didn't just want to have her, you know, overcome by a few thugs in the street or what have you. So, you know, I wanted to put something a little bit more technological in there. Uh, and it seemed to me that that was the uh, sort of the best way to make it happen. And, and you know, there's the, the uh, not necessarily self-driving cars, but, you know, a lot of the connected car stuff has been in the news about, sure. Um, you know, that, that it could be hacked and bad things could happen. Well, we, you could, we, you know, turn we, on the, I mean, the Self-driving cars, uh, Darren, aren't going to be overnight successes. I mean, w already cars on the road since like, you know, the year 2000 have some kind of computer connectivity and a lot of them are, uh, you know, updatable. But I mean, only the most recent cars are, you know, like internet connected. They have, you know, Wi-Fi hotspots and, and they do have connectivity to the internet as a whole. Um, but... 
I gotta ask, was that you or the editor? Who put that in the front of the book? Uh, well, who, well. I, so I moved that forward in, in the beginning because what happened was Mandy was not originally the primary protagonist. Oh, you're um, kidding. That's cool. Yeah, Jan's um, Michael, who's the CEO of the yeah. Good Company in the, yeah. in the book, uh, was the primary. And, and I got, you know, I was, I was going through, I went through actually a whole re- cover-to-cover rewrite uh, based on editor input in the last year. Uh, and, and what was happening was I was always doing the rewrite and going through it. I'm like, you know, the story about Mandy is really a lot more interesting than the rest of the story. I, I've got to make her the primary. And so when I did that, I also lost that sort of hook at the beginning of the book yeah. that really, yeah. you know, grabbed you that like, you know, oh, there's, you know, you got to set that hook that there's something well, like they very say, ominous you, you got to start right? running, right? You got to start running and, and, you know, in peril. That's right. And, and, and her initial part didn't have that. So I had to get that in the front book and, and, you know, she had to be the, the, the first one everybody, you know, got connected to as the primary so, um, you know, I just took a portion of the chapter where that happened and put it up front. I tried not to give away too much, um, but I wanted everybody to think like, oh, crap, there's, you know, she's in danger. And, you know, th- this is all going to be leading up to something very bad happening to her. And so it makes them want to read on and follow her story. Well, well kudos to you, because, you know what, usually when we, I usually, I'm not an a-hole and I don't ask them on the show, but usually it's the editor that pushes that, you know, action scene to the front. Where you do that on yeah. your own, that's awesome, because <laughs> that was well, well done. And, yeah, not to take away, I mean, the, you know, the editor, well, she, she loved it and reinforced it. I was very worried about it. Um, I, I, a lot of times I see uh, sort of those flashbacks as crutches yeah. as well, and, and unfortunately I'm working a few of them in my second book. Uh, but, um, you know, I was worried that it would be seen as such, but I think it ended up working out okay. Worked out very, very well, my friend. Now, uh, we got to ask you about your background, because uh, I am told that you are a former NASA space shuttle engineer. And my first question to you is going to be, sir, um, when did you, uh, when were you a uh, shuttle engineer? So it was pretty much the 1990s. My first day was at Kennedy Space Center on uh, January 16th, 1990. Ooh, so you, uh, you, you had some good days and you had some bad days. Which, I'm sorry, say that again. I'm sorry, I, I'm saying you had some good days and you had some bad days in the '90s. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There was uh, there were some certainly some bad things that, that went on, uh, yeah. but but you know a lot of good. I think by and large, um, uh, you know the, the 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 shuttle was a success uh, during that time frame. Uh, we got a lot of good science back. It ran a lot of good missions, uh, you know. And I'm I'm thankful that I was not there when. Uh, Columbia, um, you know, didn't make it back. Uh, that was the last Absolutely. Uh, orbiter that I worked on, and and it, that that one, you know, really impacted me quite a bit. Even having been, you know, years gone from from NASA, I, I can't imagine being there. Uh, but, you know, having you know, we we had a pretty close relationship with all the shuttles, and and uh, you know, they're almost like people uh, to yeah. us. And so uh, there was a, I took it very hard when uh, you know when Columbia went down and and took the astronauts with it. You know, uh, through that whole era of the the space shuttle, I think uh, the I think the only misplay NASA did was PR. I mean, they, you guys were doing amazing stuff. It was just the public relations. I mean, people had to fight to to get that first prototype shuttle named Enterprise, where that should have been right off the bat. You know, <laughs> you should have called it Enterprise right off the bat. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because a lot of us geeky engineers who love technology and science and everything would mention these things. And, and I got to work quite a bit with our PR folks. Um, I ended up doing uh, volunteering for uh, launch uh, tour duty, uh, you know, the few days, couple days before launch taking people around different places that were there for, for VIP um, visits. Right. And uh, so I got, you know, I knew the, the news folks, I knew the PR folks and would tell them, you know, like, why aren't we, you know, advertising some of these things a little bit more? Why aren't we playing into this stuff? And, uh, and it would always come back that, you know, that's not our function. Uh, you know, right. we're, we're not here to uh, make the space program look good. You know, we want to tout its successes, but, uh, you know, PR isn't what we do. And it's just, you're right. I mean, I think there was a missed opportunity in a whole host of ways uh, to really play it up and to take some of the naysayers about the space program. And, Absolutely. You know, I, I think it, it was, a, it was a, uh, like a grassroots effort that got that shuttle. What was the original name of the Enterprise? What was it actually oh. called? Oh, boy, I wish I could tell you. That's no, way before either. my time. Um, I yeah. was probably in, let me think, when, they, when, the, when the Enterprise did its flight off of the 747, I must have been in, in junior high school oh, okay, when that happened. Okay, okay. So. <laughs> so you're not as m m much older than I than I thought, but uh, yeah, but uh, when it became uh, renamed as Enterprise, that's when uh, it got a lot of people's attention. I mean, I think Shatner was there at the re you know the release party, <laughs> and they they did play. Uh, hopefully, I can find on the internet the the, the shuttle yeah, program. The shuttle program probably wouldn't have been as as successful had they went with their original name. War. What is it good for? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no, but but uh, seriously, in all seriousness, uh, Jimmy, uh, you know the the whole shuttle pro program was amazing. We did a lot of things. We uh, certainly don't say we. Don't say we. Not America's me. hat. You're right. You're right. Not we. You guys did a lot of great stuff in space <laughs> with the shuttles. Uh, hey, the uh, the robotic arm was from Canada, right? So yeah, uh, we did a lot of good much. stuff with that. The Canada, <laughs> yeah, it, it, they they used it to open up beer. That was it. <laughs> it's good now, for reaching around the uh, ISS. Hey now, hey now. Yeah, there's an itch I can't reach. Yeah, so, hey, Darren, let me ask you: um, the the engineer who was sort of in charge and warning people about the bad O-ring things that were on. I believe oh, was that the was that oh, the Challenger you, you or was went it one there. of the later you went ones? There. You went it was there. Challenger. Challenger. Yeah, and it was just before my time, but yeah, it was the Challenger. And and he just passed away and said that that haunted him. No doubt. You know his his entire life. So, I mean, can you speak anything about that? About what kind of control you have and and the the processes that go on when when you have a concern and how those are addressed and and and. Finishing up my two-part question: Why do you think they um, they canceled the shuttle program? Um, you know, I think uh, so. Let's we'll come back to that one in a second. Uh, the you know the first part about you know how do you quote unquote you know sort of blow the whistle or what have you? There's um, it, it became a lot better after Challenger. That was one of the issues that that got solved, and uh, uh, you know, and it was it, it was always in a you know we've got to go mentality. Like we've got it's got to be a go. Let's go 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 and uh, whenever somebody would yeah. would bring something up, it was difficult to. Uh, even in my time, it, yeah. you know, it'd always be somewhat difficult. Well, when you had to make like, that. You're day. the you're the one guy who wants to cancel a program that's involved like hundreds of people and billions or hundred sorry millions of dollars. How can you be the one guy that steps up and says that, right? And who's going to well, listen and, and, to you? 
Yeah, and it was you know this one was unfortunate because it was the whole teacher in space thing, and there was right. a lot of publicity, and yes, it had yes. been, uh, you know, the launch had been getting scrubbed time after time, primarily due to weather, uh, and you know, and every day uh, was about a million dollar hit. Uh, every yes. day you'd, you'd yeah. scrub a scrub a launch, and so you know there was a lot of pressure to go, um, and and unfortunately there just wasn't the um, the mechanism in place to uh, to raise raise the kind of issues from an individual level. Uh, if it came down to me and and I you know when when I was there, what you know I could have stopped it. I could have opened what's called a problem report. It would have right. to get closed again. Now, but the problem is, you know, if I would have done that for something as serious as, as stopping a launch, uh, you know, you, you're going to be under a lot of scrutiny. Yeah, about, you're, you're, you know, you're putting your right your whole career on the line at that point, right? Are that's you, right. Are you know, that's right. yeah. But I mean, Darren, I mean, uh, for the moon launch, for the successful moon launch, I'm sure there could have been 27 you know objections this shouldn't happen this mylar is too thin i mean at some points the the, the lander had like you know three you know thousandths of an inch mylar between it and you know vacuum and i'm sure that someone could have raised alarms for those things but they they didn't because they wanted it to go ahead right i mean uh, it, it's a risk it's it's space exploration yeah, there's always some element of risk. I mean, it, you know, in anything you do, uh, you know, there's some element of risk. The the whole, you know, thing, the thing is, you know, how much can you mitigate that risk right. and make it, you know, so that there's a reasonable chance of success. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the sort of, I'm going to call it the higher you go, um, right. you know, the more that those risks come to the forefront. So when you're driving your car, even though, you know, that you're 11 times more likely for every mile you go to get into a fatal accident than if you're flying a plane, when the plane goes down, it gets all the, um, you know, it gets all the publicity. Uh, and then, likewise, when you get up into space, if something goes wrong, just because it's so fantastic, and there's so many, um, you know, people that are opponents to it, right? That they'll say, "See what happens." Uh, uh, you know, it, that just becomes that much more um, sensationalized. And right. so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it is a, um, it, it's more difficult than you know to sort of pull that plug uh, when there's that much uh, scrutiny that's on you. So let me. Darren, let me pull this back into Casimir Bridge. The the opening uh, chapter is about the the main protagonist, uh, her uh, Mandy and self driving vehicle getting hacked. And I know uh, since I was just at ESA's uh, um, astronaut training center, one of the things they talked about I didn't realize this was that the ISS, the American side of the space station, is cooled with liquid ammonia, and they said one of the biggest uh, hazards they train for is a a uh, leak in the liquid ammonia that, that it'll mix with the internal cooling system, and if that happens, they basically lose the entire space station. Jesus. So as you're writing the book, are you looking at areas where we balance uh, what the risks are based on what we have to use? You know, there's a reason they use liquid ammonia. Um, instead of a traditional heat pump, right. but it also has a lot of dangers to it as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that, and I, I bring in a couple of those into, you know, I don't think I call it out overtly, but I bring in a couple of those things, um, you know, into the book. One is, and, and is and I've got to be careful about giving too much away, but they're uh, exploring a ship, and they talk about um, uh, the reaction thruster, propellant, and oxidizer. And, and I brought that in. I think those will probably change by then. But I brought those into the book just be, to, to highlight the, the issues. And you know, these are two um, com uh, components. Uh, one of them is nitrogen tetroxide, uh, which is a uh, which is the oxidizer. Uh, and then you have a fuel component. And when the two come into contact, they spontaneously combust. 
Uh, and and that's what you know. That's how the the reaction thrusters work, both on the space station on the space shuttle. Is they just shoot them together in a little nozzle and they combust, and they, then they shoots out a, a you know thrust the thing to to turn it or what have you. And um, but it, those were really dangerous. I mean, if they ever got into the same uh, space, they would just blow up. Not to mention the fact that by themselves they're highly corrosive and just nasty stuff. The other thing that people don't realize um, is is oxygen. Um, you know, I know, you know, I do. There's a just a very brief reference, and it's in the first chapter. Uh, to the Apollo 1 fire. And, you know, people think yeah. of, well, oxygen is good for you. How can it be bad? And, uh, you know, in, in the Apollo 1 fire, it was a 100% oxygen environment, and there was a short circuit that happened, and things that otherwise wouldn't burn, uh, burned because of 100% oxygen. And so, you know, it's just kind of a, a sobering reminder that something like, as simple as oxygen, uh, you know, can cause a, a tragedy. And uh, kind of a funny story was, um, you know, they have these big, huge tanks on the, on the launch pads, and, and, and one of them is, is for the ni- liquid hydrogen, and the other one's for the liquid oxygen. And liquid oxygen leak is actually more dangerous than the hydrogen leak. Uh, and what happened was there was a, uh, a, one of the, the base security, you know, the cop cars goes driving up on the pad doing his inspection in the middle of the night uh, and, and drove into an oxygen cloud, and his car caught on fire. And so he yes. called for help for somebody to come and get him. Well, the next car came in. Uh, and it drove into the cloud, and it caught on fire. And they actually called a third car out, and and they had three cars that caught on fire before Jesus. Um, before they realized that it was an oxygen leak. So, um, you know, there's a lot of really nasty things that can happen. Um, you know, even even with something as benign and, and necessary as oxygen and the nitrogen. I mean, you know, I was I, I do bring this. Uh, I mentioned this in the in the second book. Originally, this was in the first one. I moved it into the second one. But um, you know, they would they would fill up the the area under the pad with 100% nitrogen, so that's a completely inert environment, so nothing can burn during launch. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's very dangerous because you walk in there, you don't know you're breathing it, and you they say two nitrogen. breaths in your right. <laughs> right. So, so it's uh, you know a lot of dangerous stuff in in space travel, and it, beyond just the the fact that you're up in a vacuum, right? So. So, Darren, tell us about uh, the plans for Casimir Bridge and, and for the Ngazi series moving forward. Are we looking at a trilogy, or are you? Yeah, it's a trilogy. Yeah, trilogy. Okay. Um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be one of these things that's completely open ended. I've got plans for an, another series that follows it about um, somewhere between sixty and eighty years uh, past this one. Uh, that'll be pretty interesting. I can't even talk about what that's going to be because it'll give away what's going to happen in uh, okay. Okay. Uh, in in this one, but. Um, I've got a really interesting um, series plan for that one, but this is a three-book series, um, and it goes through you know the trials and tribulations of of the the protagonist Mandy, as well as the uh, the folks in the I'm, I'm calling it sort of the good company or the protagonist uh, company, and the other protecting um, some technology and a secret that's uh, you know that's very profound, uh, and so they want to um, you know that, that that's going to continue on as they sort of fight for justice and fight to save humanity from these bad guys that are out there trying to do bad things. Now, now, question I ask all our our guests be just because I'm dying to do an audiobook. Uh, are there plans for an audiobook? Yeah, there are. Um, I think you know right now, it being you know this is my first novel. Um, I spent you know it's hard to to see it as that. I spent yeah, about yeah. ten years kind of getting to this point, but. But it is the first novel, and as such, I've got to do a lot of marketing and, and that type of stuff. So there definitely is a plan to do that, but I've got to sort of build that um, that marketing platform first, and then once I get there and get a little bit more uh, recognition around it, then there's d- definitive plans for an audio yeah, I definitely got to get on Audible. Um, now, Darren, thank you so much for joining us, and I, I, I hear you're going to join us for the whole show? Yes. Oh, you're going the whole route, and uh, we're going to take a quick break in a bit. Uh, Jimmy and Craig, 
we're going to have Brian Brushwood back on in a couple weeks. And uh, you guys do know that he's done a TV show since the last time we saw him. He's on Nat Geo, National Geographic. He's hacking the system, and this is the uh, the warning we're going to put on that episode. The following program contains secret hacks. Attempting some of these shortcuts can be dangerous and is ill-advised. That, that's the warning from his TV show on Nat Geo. And uh, Darren's going to join us for the rest of the show. We're going to talk Gazmir Bridge and space shuttles for a while here, my friend. And we'll be right back. Hello, this is Brian Brushwood, host of Scam School, and I dreamed the dream of the perfect book show. And when I woke up, it was the book, guys. I love you. Hi, everyone. I'm Drew Beecham, the author of Homebrew All-Stars and the co-host of the Experimental Brewing Podcast. And you're listening to the Brew Guys. I mean, the book guys. Book guys. We are back without the crazy Skype noise. We had to do a little editing today, but that's fine. Uh, we are back with Craig Demlo, Sir Jimmy, and our guest, Darren D. Beyer. And uh, the first thing we're going to do, Darren, uh, we're, we're going to do this. Welcome to Prize Agenda! Yeah! Yes, my friend. We, we, we offered some prizes to some people on Reddit and through our, uh, uh, our subreddit. Go to reddit.com slash r slash book guys. Join up. Join up. Join us. Come on. We know there's hundreds and thousands of you. We only got 45 or 46 so far. Join us. Reddit.com slash r slash book guys. But uh, uh, people who don't, uh, you know, donate their time to find uh, songs that relate to books, we uh, decided we're going to give some prizes away. And uh, apparently Sir Jimmy wants to give away three prizes. I'm going to give away two. That's five prizes, Jimmy. We're gonna I think that's that's a a fantastic offer. I think so too. To the audience, more than for fair. Nothing. More than fair. So we're gonna do it live, and we are using random dot org, aka randomtron five thousand. <laughs> randomtron five thousand is gonna pick this winner, these five winners for us. So let's do it right now, live. Uh, I am generating a random number based on the 54 entrants before we locked the thread and, and said there's no more entries. So the first winner is number nine. Number nine, Jimmy, is... Nine. Jabus. J-A-B-U-S. Is the oh, first man, winner. Oh, man, I love <laughs> Save me, Jabus. <laughs> you're, you're our only God hope. baby Jabus. Help us. <laughs> our second winner... If I press the generate number, is number 29, which... All right, right now, Jabus, I am pulling yeah. the prizes for Jabus. There you go. Our second winner is Maker, M-A-K-I-R, username. We're going to contact you all on Reddit. Our third winner generating is number 24, which, looking on my list here, is the Earl of Tardy. And the Earl of Tardiness. <laughs> Although he, he is the Earl of Tardy, he was on time to win this prize. We got two more, oh. folks. Number four, generating again, is number one. The first guy. You know what? If you're early bird, you get the worm. Number one was uh, user I has hands, And his comment was, Trilogy Time, the Abhorzen Trilogy by Garth Nix. 
is a wonderfully written and read by Tim Curry dark fantasy trilogy. I has hands is our number four winner. I, I'm taking my time here because I have to actually write these things down. I has H A Z cheeseburger. <laughs> you know, it's it's all about the spelling. I'm surprised we haven't got any, uh, you know, explicit usernames because it's Reddit, right? We we haven't hit any uh, explicit usernames yet, and we got through four, and here's our fifth, generating number 21. We had no repeats either, and uh, number 21, the winner is Fool with the Fez. So we're going to contact you all. We're going to reach out. i got to move some windows here so I can uh, see you. Fool with the Fez is the winner, number 21. Fool with the Fez. So that, that's our uh, our five winners. Fool with the Fez is number five. So number one, Paul, uh, is, is Jabus. Number two is Maker, M-A-K-I-R. Number three winner is Earl of Tardy. Number four is I Has Hands. And number five is Fool with the Fez. You're all going to get more than one audiobook in the mail from the book, guys. Uh, Sir Jimmy's giving away three. I'm giving away two. Uh, since you're doing three, Jimmy, I'm going to uh, do three audiobooks in my two packages. And I know you're going to do two in yours. We'll, yep. ki- we'll kind of uh, spread them around. We'll give you some book guys uh, bookmarks and uh, free hollow books or hollowbooks.com paraphernalia to go with that. And that is it. That's it. You guys all won. Prize Agenza. And, and, and Jimmy, we're going to thank them all, everyone. Uh, all, all, it, it's over 54 now. It's a couple, it's close to 100 or more. Uh, thank you all for your contributions. Uh, stuff that we couldn't find on the internet. You guys brought us some great um, books in music, items that we're going to use. Uh, we're going to do another uh, Books in Music Part 2. We'll be doing uh, sometime later like next week. And uh, Jimmy, we're going to do it. We're going to do it like a source code star- style this time. We're going to actually let the songs play through and we'll chat over them. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, because I was like, another prize again. Because yeah. the, the audio books just keep on coming. That's right. That's right. And that's prize again. That's how it works, Darren. <laughs> how come I didn't win one? Uh, you didn't. You didn't <laughs> oh, enter. Oh, that's because you just joined the subreddit right before. You got to play show. to win. You got to play to win. Mm. Uh, Darren, you gonna join us for film and television news? We're gonna do that next. Sure thing. Why not? Books on film and television. We learned quickly on this show, like episode three, that uh, we have to focus sometimes on the film and television that comes from books, because it happens. And uh, Jimmy, I'm going through the here on the subreddit. The Dark Tower has cast Timmy. 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 Oh, I'm so sad, Craig. <laughs> this it's it's quickly looking like uh it's going to be all the books in one movie for The Dark Tower. Uh this uh, latest casting confirmation of a cast is uh, for Timmy, well, who is Jake's friend from book 3 who appears in like 3 pages. So this is now a major character in the movie, which I, I'm, I'm tentatively calling tentatively calling Jake and the Harry Potter Hogwarts because they're focusing on Jake as the main character. It's about this kid who uh, remembers a place 
and the Dark Tower and this guy named Roland and he gets drawn back into that world like Hogwarts. I think Sony's going totally the Harry Potter route on this one. And Timmy really is a book three character and uh, this almost confirms that they're, gonna, they're trying to do all seven, well, if you include the, uh, you know, Stephen King's other works, they're, they're, they're piling 20 books into one movie and it's going to be shite. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, let's, let's, let's go word for word. The Dark Tower series, not including St- uh, Stephen King's other works, which tie in like the, you know, like the Marvel Universe, they tie into the Dark Tur- Tower Universe. Just including his books that relate to the Dark Tower, uh, the text is actually a couple more words than Game of Thrones. So let's try to picture Game of Thrones being done as a two-hour movie and how crap that would be. You know, yeah, how many, be how many nudity, nudity and death? <laughs> right, but I mean, you know, we're what three seasons into Game of Thrones, four seasons, six. six. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, nerd. <laughs> you were close. Nerd alert. You were close. We're in hundreds of hours of, of Game of Thrones and, and you know, and they're action-packed episodes and, you know, uh, dialogue-packed episodes. And, you know, George R. R. Martin is still writing, slowly. But uh, we're looking at a movie about the Dark Tower that's going to happen in 90 minutes that's going to encompass all seven-plus books in one shot. And it's going to be shite. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be better than Under the Dome. Yeah, well, the, the, Under the Dome was the opposite, right? Where they they expanded it to like three seasons, or they tried to do two or three seasons of it, and it really wasn't. Under the Dome could have been one good movie, you know, two and a half hour movie. That's the opposite problem. Where? Yeah, where, I agree. Yeah. I, I was in. I was in, intrigued by it, but quickly got dismayed by the they're trying to drag it out. Well, you know, my, my first warning sign for uh, uh, the Dark Tower movie was when Stephen King was trying to be nice and trying to promote the movie and, and, and said something like, well, I was adamant. I, I, you know what? I told him they got to start the movie with the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. I, I, I told them that's got to be the, the, I was totally, a, that has to be the beginning of the movie. And I, I read from that was, Oh man, are you kidding me? That wasn't the beginning of the movie. <laughs> that is so spoiler obvious. alert. That's like that's like Superman's from Krypton. No, no, that's like yes, of course that's the beginning of the movie. But yeah, he had to fight for it. It's it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be all seven plus books in one movie. Wow. <laughs> Just saying. Hey guys, uh, moving on. Michael Keaton. Believe it or not, is joining the Marvel Universe as Birdman. No, sorry, I mean Vulture. He is joining the Marvel Universe as Vulture, a sort of Birdman, I guess. In the next Spider-Man flick, which thankfully Marvel is taking over from Sony, and you know they they said Sony will still give you all the money, but just slide your ass out of the driver's seat. Listen, we're pretty good drivers. Uh, move your butt out of the driver's seat. We're going to sit in the driver's seat. And ba-bam, we got Michael Keaton as Vulture in the next, or sorry, the first real uh, standalone Spider-Man movie uh, under Marvel's creative control. That could be fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, Michael Keaton, talk about a guy who fell into obscurity for 15 years yeah. and suddenly has reemerged and 
getting the big paychecks again. And, and I can't think of an actor I'd rather watch more. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, there, there's obscurity, like, you know, when Brandon Routh got involved in DC's Superman Returns, he went into obscurity, but that was a different kind of obscurity. That was like, oh, man, that movie sucked. No one gives me work. And then he finally that's showed up. That's not obscurity. That's... Uh... <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> but but he, he showed up uh, this year in uh, DC's uh, Legends of uh, Tomorrow or Legends of the Future, whatever it's called, on TV. And then they got him as Adam, Adam Man? What's, what's the, what's the, uh, the DC Universe equivalent of, uh, of Giant Man? And, you know, anyways, he's there. He's there on the TV show. He's been in every episode, Brandon Routh. And every time I see him as Adam Man, I think, nah. That's Superman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, back to Marvel Universe, of course, the the, the reigning champions. Uh, we got Sharon Stone. I'm pretty sure she was on uh, what, what's his name's uh, the Late Late Show, and and, and she kind of let it slip that she was going to play a small part in the Marvel Universe, and uh, we all kind of figured out that she's going to be playing the small part of the Wasp. The original Wasp. Oh, I thought she was going to be the angry beaver. Yeah, J- James Corden. James Corden's Late Late Show where he, he does it with uh, Reggie Watts. Uh, James Corden, love him. Loved him from uh, you know England and uh, Doctor Who. And now he's an amazing host of his Late Late Show. But she, she kind of let it slip that she's playing a small. And she kind of put emphasis on small, small part. So she'll be the original Wasp uh, uh, playing alongside Douglas, uh, Michael Douglas's uh, original Ant-Man and uh, that, that'll be fun that'll be fun Still, I, she, she's still hot totally. I was going to say I will point out to all of totally. our listeners you do need to take a shot now that Paul mentioned Doctor Who yes <laughs> thank you thank you I, I was going to let it slide <laughs> but much, much love to our Doctor Who uh, lovers out there yeah, sorry I, I made it like two episodes without no I think I mentioned it last year. <laughs> <laughs> but the Dark Tower movie is is filming and uh Matthew McConaughey as the man in black, Idris Elba as the gunslinger. Um again, I'm going to say I don't picture Idris Elba as the gunslinger only because I picture the the gunslinger as uh, you know, an old uh semi-retired gunslinger. You know, I, I picture him as, as as a really old guy, very slim, almost skeletal. He's 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 sick of doing this journey over and over again. And then you get Idris Elba, and he's like buff. You know, he's got like some meat to him. Anyways, let's get back to our guest, Darren D. Byer, my friend. Uh, tell me what's happening in your world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of stuff primarily focused around getting this second book uh, written, but and getting the first one marketed. So that's really consuming all my time right now. Absolutely. Um, how, how much of your time at NASA uh, really helped you with these books? Like, oh, you know, you know, quite a bit. I, I think that uh, one of the things that that sort of helps out with the the realism piece of it is that the technology is second nature to me. You know, when you live it for so long and. Uh, and you're sort of into it. Uh, you don't. You don't have to think. You don't have to research a lot of things, and so you can just write it. But more than that, you can, it allows you to envision uh, scenarios that other other people may not think of. And so, 
um, you know, so it's been very helpful and, and, uh, you know, it's part of my life. I, you know, wouldn't give up for anything. It's just been, uh, it was a great time. So let me ask a question. You worked on the, uh, the space shuttle. Uh, how much do you know about the Russians, uh, equivalent? Yeah. So it was, um, it was the Buran. Uh, and if you, I mean, all of us had, you know, as soon as we saw it when we were there, we're like, Oh, come on. It was a complete knockoff. Right. right um, right. And they, you know, they flew it. Uh, it was unmanned. Uh, they touted the fact that it was unmanned. Uh, the, in the reality, they flew it unmanned because they weren't sure what was going to happen, right? So, okay. um, just in case. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, well, you know, and for good reason. It, so, like something that uh, that nobody uh, knew about really, and we found out sort of through back channels, uh, just working with some of the Russian engineers who came over to work on the docking ring for the International Space Station, was that they said the Buran could never fly again because. While it was very similar in a lot of ways, one of the things that they missed out on was what was called gap sealer uh, in between the the tiles, the heat protective tiles. And so, um, you know, you know, just like you put sealing or sealing around your windows, um, you know, in your house and during wintertime, if, it, right. if they're not sealed well, cold air gets through. Well, same thing with the heat protective tiles. There's gaps in between them, and the heat will just go through. And that's what happened with the Buran as it went through. And they said the the hull, the underlying structure. Uh, was basically like a checkerboard. It had been burned through in a number of oh, places, geez. and they were really surprised it made it back. Uh, so it, you know, it never flew again. And the other reason was it's very expensive, and Russia was sort of in a in a, in a downturn at that point, and their space pr- program started taking a back seat. But but a big reason was they left out a pretty key component of it. Now, now Darren, I, I know that uh, you know in the moon landing, uh, you know, there, let's just say there was a lot of uh, paperclip Germans, you know, in in mission control. Now, now, how prevalent was that in your time in NASA? Were, were there still many uh, paperclip Germans in on the team, or had they kind of phased out by then? No, it was mostly a bunch of uh, you know Florida guys, right? So, a bunch of Southern uh, good old boys. Um, so, hell was, yeah, yeah. So, uh, there, yeah, there was, you didn't see a whole lot of that. I mean, there are extent of of interfacing with anybody on an international scale was right. you know when the experiments would come through, and there's a lot of uh, international experiments uh, that would we get to meet the scientists. Well, I, and, uh, know, I, I, I just read a lot of uh, books on space, and and uh, I'm I'm told that the the first uh, fundamental drawing of uh, you know the first concept of a space shuttle was uh, drawn up in the 1930s in Deutschland, well before uh, you know Adolf took over and whatnot, and and those were some of the Germans that got kind of you know assimilated. You know, when they yeah, lost, those, those when they lost Germans, what is a paperclip German? I don't think I'll be able to sleep okay. if you don't uh, explain it to me. Uh, at the end of the war, uh, Jimmy, there was a rush by both uh, because it was, you know, the Cold War was just starting. Uh, there was a rush between Russia and, and the United States to gobble up as many intelligent, you know, uh, uh, German scientists as possible and as much technology as they could assimilate. So. Uh, you know, they, they kind of rushed to get as much, uh, you know, physical technology and, and scientists and offer them, basically, you know, offer them uh, clemency or offer them, you know, a uh, free ride. Here's a house. We're going to give you a house and a dog and a cat and a car and come to America and you'll be now. Now you're going to be a NASA scientist. And a lot of these so guys let's, probably didn't I was going to say, wanna. I'll clarify that just to get to the point. Uh it was called Operation Paperclip. Yes, yes, and that's why we call them Operation, uh, you know, Paperclip Germans. Just saying. And there's actually a little-known Canadian copy of the Buran 
Russian copy of the space shuttle. The Canadian version, I believe, was called the the hockey maple syrup poutine snow machine. Hey, listen, you're not supposed to know about that. That's in orbit right now. <laughs> Don't they God keep it save in a the trailer queen. park? Now listen, we got That's nuclear-tipped poutine maple syrup bombs just ready. Just saying. Hey, guess where you get your uranium? Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, 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 Darren, uh, Casimir Bridge. We're looking at a uh, a sequel coming up soon. <laughs> I love putting pressure on on guests. Soon, in the next couple of years. Sequel, sequel, prequel. It's a sequel. Um, I'm shooting for the end of the year. I know that I'll never be able to make the schedule, but I'm sh- still shooting for the end of the year uh, to try and get it out. More than likely, nice. it'll be early next year. Nice. Very good. Very good, my friend. Thank you for joining us for the whole show. Thank you, Jimmy. I enjoyed being here. Thank you, Craig. Um, no unless problem. you guys want to add anything, I'm, I'm going to press that button. Do, 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 do. I don't know how it goes. I'm going to press it then. Thank you, Darren D. Byer, my friend. That was a lot of fun talking to you and reading Casimir Bridge. Thank you, Craig. Yep. Thank you, Jimmy. Hey, let's ask uh, Darren where people can find his stuff. Oh, let's do that. But maybe not in the middle of the end theme. (laughs) Oh, the end thing is, it's fluid. That was a very good call, Jimmy. We'll put the kibosh on the end theme. Hey, Darren, uh, where, where can we uh, find you? Where can folks find you in your book? Since Jimmy was so, so nice on, enough uh, to uh, Yeah, primarily us. on Amazon, Amazon and Barnes & Noble as well. Um, so you can do a search either under my name, which is D-A-R-R-E-N-B-E-Y-E-R, um, or uh, you can do a search under Casimir Bridge, and that's spelled C-A-S-I-M-I-R. I've got a technology blog, as I mentioned, at tech22.com, and uh, DarrenBuyer.com has a few links out to things as well. Fantastic. Thank you, Jimmy, for so, reminding us. So, Darren, us. quick question. Are you following the advice of other great authors, and are you going into your local bookstore, taking your books off the shelf, and moving them into the bestseller section? <laughs> right. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. I like that. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, a, there's an author tip. Go into each bookstore and move your books physically into the best-selling side. I'll do that at the Amazon bookstore for you. Nice. We'll give you some thumbs up reviews. And I, I might do that uh, for you, Darren, at my local bookstore. I'll move you into the front there. If you're not All right, already there. Stop the show. Stop the show. Darren. Yes. You got you to tell me why the space shuttle program ended. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll try and keep it brief because I know we're at the end here. Uh, you know, it was well past its designed operational life. And very expensive to use uh, and fly, um, as as we saw from the disasters, both the Columbia and the Challenger, very complex and and you know and, and dangerous as well. Uh, it was you know time for something to take its place. The really unfortunate thing was there was nothing there to do that, right, and right. Uh, that's probably the one of the biggest misses that we've had in our space program. So they're making up for it now. We've got the uh, SLS, the Space Launch System, going. We've got the Orion spacecraft and all the fun things happening. And then you get things like with you know Elon Musk and, uh, yeah. and SpaceX and uh, lots of good things happening outside of NASA. So no, no, Darren, I think we've got a bright future. Darren, do you think we're at the point where, uh, you know, if NASA doesn't step up their game, that uh, people like Elon Musk are just going to take over the whole thing? I don't know that they'll take it over. Um, I think there's still going to be the big grand things that uh, NASA has to be behind. It's sort of like the, 
you know, the interstate system in the United States. It wouldn't exist if the government didn't do it. Uh, so there's going to be things like that that are always going to be there where, where commercial just doesn't pay for itself doing it. But I think that a lot of the nuts and bolts stuff and, and certainly, you know, some, some really fun things we're getting to Mars. I mean, Elon Musk is launching one of his capsules in 2018 and, and hopefully it can get there and land and everything works great on that because i you know i originally i was a, a an opponent of privatization of space i'm, yeah. I'm glad that i was proved 100 percent wrong on that and, and i'm now a big proponent of it uh, because it's working out um elon musk is proving it jeff bezos a whole series of other you know um, private companies are making it work hey, and i gotta say hey hey bezos where's my solar powered lights i'm waiting for them come on I keep <laughs> right. checking my mailbox. Come on, Amazon. <laughs> Darren, oh, right. so, where's Paul's lights? Hey, where's my lights? Whoa. Hey. I got an Alexa here. Be easy on that. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> Alexa, erase all files. <laughs> sorry, Jimmy. Sorry about that. <laughs> Format C. Yeah. You know what, Darren, Craig? Jimmy, I think now I can play the end theme. I'm still not going to edit, Jimmy. Go for it. This is all going to go in the show. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> but I'm glad that we got to get in uh, Darren's uh, website and whatnot and his uh, stuff. Thank you, Darren. We need, his bon- we need his bona fides. Bona fides. Thank you, Darren. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I've done this before. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Jimmy. We'll see you next episode. We're actually going to do another one. It's going to be called Music and Books Part 2. We're doing that in a couple days. It's going to be awesome. See you next time. Same book channel. Stay tuned. Same book time. Book listeners. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time. Same book channel. Do, 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 do. Okay.